Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome to the latest edition of the Gifts for Glory podcast. Thank you for joining us live on uh, Facebook, uh, live on YouTube, or uh, catching us on the Creative Motion Network on rumble.com slash gifts for glory, or wherever you may be listening to our podcast on uh, all the different podcast platforms. Also, a huge shout out to uh, Barry Alsobrook and the uh, Taken TV Network for uh, allowing us to be on their podcast channel. So be sure to look for uh, Taken TV Network. Uh, for a bunch of different podcasts as well as uh, some great TV programming, uh, just look up look for Taken TV Network on Facebook, and uh, uh, you know check them out. Uh, a free streaming service with some paid options as well, and also a huge shout out to uh, uh, Kevin and uh, Kristen Collier with the uh, Creative Motion Network, uh, housing the uh, uh, the video version of our podcast as well as uh, Wellverse Comedy and our His Line Show. So a huge shout out to all those that are supporting Christian media and giving us a platform to showcase our talents. Uh, so thank you guys uh, so much for supporting. And uh, speaking of uh, Wellverse Comedy, uh, we do uh, have uh, some new swag. If you'd like to check that out, uh, you can f- find it at shop.wellversecomedy.com. Uh, buy some t-shirts, uh, help support us as we build into uh, a full-fledged ministry, wanting to make sure that we bring comedy and the gospel uh, wherever it's needed without uh, any uh, monetary obstacles in the way. Uh, so be sure to check that out at uh, shop.wellversecomedy.com uh, if you'd like to support what we're doing uh, with uh, the comedy ministry. And if you want to support what we're doing with the uh, um uh, with podcasts and everything else that we do with Gifts for Glory, you can also check us out at patreon.com slash Gifts for Glory. Uh, we love anything that you can do to help us uh, support what we're uh, attempting to do. And now let's move on to our Devotions with Dave segment. Our Devotions with Dave segment is coming to us from Romans 13. I'm going to uh, actually share verses 1 through 5, a little bit longer than we normally go, but uh, I thought this is important to, to talk about. So Romans uh, 13 verse 1, everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike f- uh, fear in people who are doing right, but those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid, for they have power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. That's Romans 13, 1 through 5. Now, I pick this uh, passage because we truly need to study the word in its full context, in its full intent and meaning. Uh, Over the last uh, couple of years, and for uh, much longer, Romans 13 has been overused and misrepresented by many Christians who are trying to hammer anyone who is not in complete obedience to the government, Uh, such as uh, recently pastors arrested in Australia and Canada, uh, uh, even uh, in the U.S. But Romans 13 means, but if Romans 13 means that we are to fully and completely submit to all human authority, uh, that's an elected government or in a you know uh, non-elected government, then we are also saying that Paul, who wrote these words, 
violated scripture because he wouldn't have been martyred. He wouldn't have been executed had he fully submitted and not preached the gospel. Also, that why would Jesus have had to have died? Uh, why would he? Ha- why would he have died if he fully submitted to the governing authorities and leadership in such a way that he didn't a- uh, upset them? But the reason he was crucified and was put to death was because he was upsetting the apple cart. He was flipping tables. He was upsetting the leadership by not fully submitting to what they told him or what they wanted him to do. So what we have to do is read it in the full context, because if we take Romans 13 and just say, you have to submit to every authority above you without question, without resistance, then you're also calling Daniel a sinner because, you know, he, he went to the lion's den for not adhering to man's law. Uh, again, Paul, Stephen, you know, all the martyrs of today, are they in violation of scripture or do we need a better understanding? So I bring this passage up to not divide or upset, but to encourage you to dive in deeper. What did Paul really mean in Romans 13? And how do you make what Romans 13 says, how do you reconcile that with the rest of Scripture? Because the Scripture is complete, it's infallible, it's perfect, it's the Word of God. It, it is Jesus because the Word became flesh. And, and how did that happen? That's when Jesus took on flesh and came down. So when we have a, a, a misunderstanding of Scripture, we go to God, we go to the Holy Spirit for illumination, for, for explanation, for, uh, for a better and clearer understanding. Uh, that's why the Bible tells us that the, the message of the cross, the message of the Bible is foolishness to those who are perishing because they don't have the benefit of the Holy Spirit showing us what the, what the word means and what the context means. So I just want to encourage you, spend some time in the word. Spend some time with the true author of the word to get a better understanding of what it means. Because taking it at that surface level, Romans 13, it doesn't, to take it at that level, it becomes a contradiction with the life of Christ, the life of Paul, the martyrdom of Stephen, the life of Daniel, one of the greatest characters in biblical history, especially in the Old Testament. So take time with the word, get a better understanding, talk to some brothers and sisters that know about this. And uh, really uh, uh, dive in. So that was our devotions with Dave segment, Romans thirteen verses one through five. Uh, just want to encourage you again: dive in, get get to know your word, get to know the author of the word. Now let's get to know our guest at this time. He's a comedian. He's phenomenally funny. In fact, I'm gonna prove it to you with uh, this clip off of his uh, YouTube channel. Uh, look up for uh, look up comedian Mac Red on YouTube. I like and follow his stuff. Here's a sample of one of his funniest bits: the car story. How many of y'all just been driving and your car just stopped? Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Listen to the privileged people. No. <laughs> My car has never stopped. I drive a Mercedes Benz. It has never stopped. Well, look, well, as normal people, I'm in the parking lot. I run into the store, get what I gotta get, walk back out. Sit in my car with all the dreams of starting it. Turn that key. My car was like, no, 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 no. No, 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 So what does every man do? We lift the hood like we know what we're looking at. That's, yep, that's legend. That's And then I called my mechanic buddy. I was like, hey man, my car stopped. He's like, yeah, go on the hood and check the alternator. <laughs> what? 
what color is it? What color is it? Is everything silver? Is it, is it the thing that's hot? Is it the thing that's hot? Is it the thing that's hot? Everything's hot in here. He's like, you need to check the, the, she said some word. I was like, you know what? You need to get off my phone because it sounds like you're cussing at me right now and I don't appreciate it. So there he was, Mac Red. And Mac Red, welcome to the Gifts Recorder Show. How are you, sir? What's up, my man? I, I can't, I can't hear you. You can't hear me at all? I can't hear you at all. Is it, I don't, I, is it me? You can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. I hear, it sounds like a lion in my ear. Hopefully, not the lion of Judah coming. Lion sound, <laughs> just roaring, hallelujah! But I can't hear nothing you're saying, buddy. Oh no. Uh, let's see. Oh. I mean, maybe I turn my mic too hot. Let me see. Uh, how's that? Is that better? I can't hear anything mm. at all. Technical difficulties. Well, the devil is a liar, and he is—he's trying to mess with this technology. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, could it be the headphones? Is it these? Let me turn these up. Maybe I'm. How about now? Nothing. Still the same thing. Hmm. Nothing. It sounds like a uh, like I said. It sounds like a lion growling. Oh, that ain't good. Let me do this. So I tried a, um, my camera mic or my computer mic. Is that better? I can't Still hear. Not- Let's see. How about now? Anything? Nothing but that roar. Ah. Good. Uh, so, uh, could you hear your comedy? Uh, I, 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 I can't hear it, I can't <laughs> hear it at all. <laughs> I mean, it cut in when you were playing the clip, and that was it. Mm. That was it. Uh, maybe if you jump out and then back in. Want me to jump off and come back? Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'll be back, America. <laughs> All right. So uh, while he jumps out and back in, uh, just for uh, for fun, uh, let's go ahead and let's replay that clip uh, um, just to give some time to reconnect and and, uh, and jump in. So here is uh, the clip of Macred one more time. Funny clip. Really funny, dude. Hope you enjoy it. How many of y'all can drive and your car just stop? Yeah, it happened. This is to the people. <laughs> no. <laughs> My car has never stopped. I drive a Mercedes Benz. It has never stopped. Well, look, well, as a normal people, I'm in the parking lot. I run into the store, get what I got to get, walk back out. Sit in my car with all the dreams of starting it. Turn that key. My car was like, no, 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 So what does every man do? We lift the hood like we know what we're looking at. That's, yep, that's an engine. That's, that's a bad engine. Uh, uh, 
house. And then I called my mechanic buddy. I said, hey man, my car stopped. He was like, yeah, go in the hood and check the alternator. <laughs> what, what color is it? What color is it? Is everything silver? <laughs> Is it, is it the thing that's hot? Is it the thing that's hot? Is it the thing that's hot? Is everything's hot over here? He was like, you need to check the, the, he said some word. And I was like, you know what? You need to get off my phone. Because it sounds like you're cussing at me right now. And I don't appreciate it. All right, let's try this one more time. Mac Red, welcome back. What's up, my man? Now I can hear you. All right, good deal. I, I said right, right before you jumped off, said the devil is a liar and he's trying to hey, get look. involved in this mess. This, <laughs> That's this what I'm telling you. Uh-uh. So what's up, Dave? I like this, man. This is nice. Thanks, man. It's awesome. I, it's so much fun to, to do this and just hear different stories, hear people's, uh, you know, their, their story, what they're doing, and how God's using them. Uh, you and I met uh, through uh, Tony K yeah. uh, through yeah. the Christian Comedy Network. And uh, uh, you got big things coming. You got a, a big show coming up on uh, March 18th. Uh, so uh, before we get into that, let's talk about you. Uh, how you been? How long you've been doing comedy? What got you into it? Oh man, um, professionally, I've been doing comedy for. I think I want to say this is my 12th year uh, okay. doing comedy. Um, what actually got me started. Uh, as a kid, my grandmother, she would always, you know, kind of, I was, it's one of those stories where my grandmother would say, Hey, go stand in front of the family and do silly things. Mm-hmm. So I did that a lot as a kid. And I, I knew I was always silly enough to make some people smile. And, uh, it actually, what actually got me started in stand up is when I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, my teacher would cut a, would carve out some time at the end of class, literally every day, and she would give me about twenty to thirty minutes to just be me and wow. make the class laugh. So I would get up there. Now I'm fifteen years old, you know, telling jokes from some of my favorite comics that were in their thirties and forties. So the kids didn't understand it, but they just liked to see their friend up there making, you know, being silly and making funny sounds. And literally, her name was Miss Calhoun. And she she's I, I really say she started me in comedy. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I had a, a college professor once that he said, all right, at the last class of the semester, I'm going to give you some time. And, and like you, I was like, all right. You know, I, I had never really done anything. So I was like, I'm going to just do what I think is funny. So I started off doing Chris Farley, Matt, you know, Matt Foley bit. And he's yeah. like, so all you going to do is impressions. I'm like, well, that's most of what I got. And he said, all right, never mind. <laughs> Pass over. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that's, that's it. Deal with it or just deal without it. This is what I got. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cool. That's uh, so uh, have you always worked clean? Because I, I know that you work clean definitely now, but was it always, because I know you said you were doing older material than, mm-hmm. than 15, 15 year old. Was it always clean or, or did you ever find yourself in trouble for crossing that line in class? Honestly, I have always done clean comedy. Um, when I got started professionally, I sat down and talked with my mother and I told her, um, no matter where I'm performing, you'll always be able to come and watch me perform. Now, my mother's an ordained minister, so I made her that promise 
a long time ago. When I'm on the stages, you'll be able to come and see me perform. And that was the start, and that's how it's going today. I've been in comedy club. The clip you played was at Riddles, um, and every comic before me went up there and was as raunchy as you could be. And then I got up there, and I, I do my set, tell my stories, and I'm, I keep it clean, keep it family-friendly. Do you uh, draw it only from real life, or are there things that are just completely made up? How, how do you come up with your set? Honestly, real life. Uh, some things, some things are always fabricated. You know, we as comics know we have to um, make the make make it funny. You know, if I just got on stage, it was like, "Hey, so my car died." You know, that's not really right. Okay, it died, so I got to kind of fabricate the story. But excuse me, but majority of my set is one is just real life things I've gone through, things I've experienced. It's my life, you know. I live out loud, so there's a lot of weird things that happen to me that I'm like, you know what? I need to tell a room full of strangers these stories. <laughs> and it works out, you know. You, uh, you've got a couple kids, and and, uh, and you're married. And, you know, those always find uh, – kids and family always find their way into, you know, comedian set. How does your family react to sometimes being part of your joke, part of your material? Well, my my kids, they're still too young to really understand what I do. Okay. They just know daddy goes on stage and brings home things. That's all they know. I, I stand in front of people and I bring home gifts. That's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, my daughters are five. And, oh, no, she's six now. Dave, I'm getting old. My <laughs> daughter is, my oldest is six and my youngest is three. So they're just, they don't really understand what's going on. But my wife, uh, she, she, sometimes she's like, you're really going to tell that story. You're really going to talk about that. <laughs> you, you're not going to talk to me about it first. Okay. We'll see what happens. And if the crowd likes it, she's for it. You know, sometimes I'll, you know, I'll tell a joke or I'll tell a story that she wasn't really ready to let out yet. And she'll be like, you know, well now the world heard it. So, you know, <laughs> but she, she likes being part of the show because she, yeah. she knows it comes from a, a place of love you know, and it comes just from from an honest place. She'd rather me tell true stories opposed to, you know, so I was flying my jet yesterday. <laughs> you know, something real. So my, my wife loves it. Nice. Yeah. And, and is it one of those things where it's kind of better to ask for forgiveness than permission? You just do it and then like, baby, it hit. Check this out. Absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> what, what I do is, uh, you know, when I'm writing, the, when I'm writing a new joke, I'm writing a, you know, remembering the story and I'm putting it down, I'll bring it to her and, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? But there are some stories where I'm like, I'm not going to ask her because she's going to say no. Mm -hmm. I'll just apologize over dinner later. You know, like I'll just, I'll ask her to forgive me later on over some steak and she'll be fine, you know. Yeah. There you go. Works. So, and your 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 show mixes. It's not just straight up stand up. You you incorporate music, which I think uh, probably comes from the fact that your mom's a, a pastor and a minister. Mm -hmm. That that you've grown up singing as well as, as doing uh, stand up. So, uh, how do you come up with the idea to incorporate, and what do you what what's your method of incorporating music as part of it? Well, actually, this it's it's a weird story. Um, I actually didn't grow up singing. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't, I wasn't in the choir. 
you know, I, I've, I've been a church boy my entire life. Um, but I didn't come, you know, I didn't come up in a choir. My parents aren't really musical. My parents are actually, uh, both of my parents, my father and my mother, they're uh, both ordained ministers. And they're actually more so in theater, um, acting and things like that. Um, so I'm, I don't really come, I don't really have a musical background, but I've always loved music. Okay. Uh, and, you know, one day, you know, I, I, I've, I've thrown it in my set over the years. Sometimes people liked it. Other times people didn't really like it because it was kind of misplaced. I didn't know where to put it. And a couple years ago, I, uh, I recorded a, a show, uh, I, my comedy special, um, entitled It Is What It Is. It's on available for downloads on all media outlets. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I, I wrote a song called Parched. And um, by trade, I'm a truck driver. So, you know, I'm, I've spent a lot of time by myself on the road. And I just, I heard this beat or this instrumental and I just started singing to myself. And I was like, that's actually kind of catchy and stupid at the same time. I'm going to write it down, you know? So I wrote it down and I told my wife, I was like, what do you think about this? And I played it on the TV and she heard the instrumental. She was like, I like it. And then I let her read the lyrics and she was like, this is stupid. It's not going to work. So then I, I hummed it to her. And she was like, that's, that's actually pretty catchy. So then I'm like, okay, where do I put it? You know, do I, do I open the show with it? Do I transition the show with it? Do I put it at the end? Like, how do I, how do I do this? And that part, I had to actually kind of pull out the chemistry set and figure out exactly where it can go and what it can do. And I've always learned that, you know, because I'm not a, a singer per se, um, I'll, I'll put it at the end of the show because by the time I'm done singing, I'm tired. I don't want to talk anymore. So I'll do it at the end, give them a good night and walk off. So it, it, it really works. I figured out that it worked best to close the show, mm -hmm. you know, and my wife is, I tell everybody that song was never going to make it in the show. I I was like, no, I'm, I, it's good enough for me. Nobody needs to hear it. I'm happy with it. We're good. And my wife said, no, put it in the show. That's going to hit. People are going to like it. I'm like, no, they're not. They're going to hate it. And I don't want to do it. I'm not going to embarrass myself. Then I put it in the show. And to date, that is actually the most memorized bit that I've put in, in that show. And it's been two years hmm. and people are still asking for that actual recording, which yeah. I haven't done. <laughs> I don't know. And I found a link to it uh, at macro the comedian dot here now dot com. Uh, where you, uh, it looks like you can find just the audio version of that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so uh, that's now in the show notes and, uh, and in the uh, comment section as well. For yeah. everybody to track that down and, uh, and check it out. Um, so one of the, uh, one of the main focuses of our show is to always hear somebody's testimony. Obviously you grew up in a home where, where, you know, Christ was very important having, you know, ministers as parents. Um, but everyone's got to make it their own. You can't just rely on mom and dad. So how did you, how was that journey for you to make, you know, Christ your own and, uh, become a Christian on your own, being your own man? How did that all, all happen for you? Man, that's that's actually that's a that's a great question, man. I know that sounds like a an interview statement, but that that question is actually that's gold. Um, I didn't find Christ till I was about sixteen. 
you know, at least on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a church kid, you just kind of fall under your parents' covering for just, if they go to church, I go to church. They don't cuss, I don't cuss. They don't drink, I don't drink. Like, it's just, you know. And what I found myself doing as a young man um, was, how, how can I say this? What I, I found myself just trying to explore who I was, you know, and that led to a, a plethora of bad decisions. You know, um, I had a lot of mishaps in high school. Um, I attended the local high school out, out this way called Crete Money High School. And I, I, I got into, I got into the gangs and the street life just because I was trying to find somebody to connect with. Hmm. You know, I didn't, I, I went to a private school as a kid, a Christian school as a kid and, or as, you know, elementary. And when I was exposed to public school, I was like, wow, everybody curses. Okay. Like it was, it was just a, it was a culture shock, mm-hmm. you know? And then I kind of found myself not really blending with anybody. So I was like, okay, who can I consider family and who would consider me family is, you know, the same because I always kind of felt myself to be the, the black sheep, if you will, of the family, you know, like my brother's a musician, he's a drummer. Uh, my little, my, my younger brother, he's, he's a phenomenal athlete, um, football player. And my brother, another one of my brothers, I have three of them. Uh, he is a computer guru. He's insane behind a computer. Kind of scary, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't, I, you know, I, I, I can't do an instrument. You know, I played football, but I don't like running anymore. So that's out. And then regarding a computer, I can do very basic things. You know, so I kind of felt like I just wasn't, I didn't belong, you know, and my, my, I have a a sister, she's an artist. So I'm just like, what do I do? You know, I was labeled a class clown. So I wasn't getting too, I wasn't getting along well in school regarding my teachers. So I'm just like, I felt like an outcast for being myself, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of started leading into, you know, young depression and just looking for somewhere to belong. And that's when I, you know, uh, I don't want to say I was approached because it really wasn't an approach. I kind of saw, you know, this gang in the corner doing whatever gangs do in the corner. And, hey, guys, my name is Mac. I want to do what you do type thing. Mm -hmm. And that led to several years of just living that life, you know. Um, And I was a suburban kid. And I was trying to be a suburban gangster, which really doesn't exist. It's kind of hilarious when you think about it. (laughs) And from there, I actually migrated to the city, the inner city of Chicago. It's a neighborhood called Inglewood, for those who don't really know. Um, And that's where I spent most of my, a lot of my youth. I found friends that lived out there. And a lot of my teen years, um, early adulthood, I spent a lot of time out there. But that's that's going somewhere else. Um, in high school, you know, I was rolling with the gangs or whatever, and I, I I started to fight a lot. You know, I was a I was a fighter. I was for absolutely no reason because I was angry. I was I didn't know where I belonged, so I would just find somebody weak because I've I've always been a big guy, and I just you know would fight, and that led me into going to a pro a military school program um, in Illinois, uh, Southern Illinois in Champaign. And before I left, 
my pastor at the time, she wrote on a piece of paper, Jeremiah 29 and 11. Hmm. And, you know, 15 year old kid, I'm like, more Bible, like whatever, you know, my dad gave me a Bible when I went, cause it's a program that, you know, kids live at. I don't come home every day. I, I go away. And, you know, I was just sitting there and I was like, all right, I was, you know, in my room and I was like, all right, let me see what this Jeremiah 29, 11 crap is. And, you know, I opened up the Bible and it's, you know, plain as day for, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts of good and not evil to bring you to an expected end. And I didn't understand it. You know, and my uh, it was a military program. So we had what's called chaplains, uh, you know, military ministers, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I pulled one of them aside. I said, explain this. I don't I don't you know, I don't know. He was like, well, I thought you were a church kid. I'm like, yeah, but when you're a church kid, you really don't listen to church. Yeah. You're just there because your parents have to be, you know, and he explained it to me. And we sat for a good while just talking about God. God talking about Jesus, you know, and he, he just broke it down in a way that a 15 year old kid can understand. And that following Sunday, you know, we went and, you know, I accepted Christ. And this, from then on, I'm like, this is it. You know, I figured it out. And when I got home, you know, I was 16 years old. I graduated high school, came home and I kind of fell right back into where I was, mm. you know, cause I didn't have that structure you know, fell right back into where it was, but it was a little worse because, you know, I had a car, I had a job. So now I'm really able to go get into some trouble, you know, mm. but I always had that piece in the back of that, you know, voice in the back of my mind. That's like, this isn't you and you know it, you know, this, this is not what you do anymore. And you know, this, that's why things don't go well. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I was that guy that was trying to crack credit cards or crack debit cards. And I always got caught you know, where the cards didn't work or, you know, I would, I would try to steal something and the police would be there. And I'm like, he stole it too. Why are you only finding out that I did it? And I was better than him. It's because I, and what I feel is it was God's way of protecting me, you know, keeping me in the mindset of this is not what I'm supposed to do. This is not where I'm supposed to be, you know? And I felt like there was, there was several times, you know, when I was younger in my twenties, late teens and early 20s where, you know, I I honestly could have lost my life in the wrong place in the wrong time. And God just stopped it. You know, I'm, I am a two-time uh, heart attack survivor. And oh, wow. I firmly feel like that was God's way of saying, hey, chill out. You're doing too much type thing, you know. And it's it's just it's been a, a um it's it's been a process for me it really mm-hmm. has you know because there's there's a lot of people from my past that i i didn't want to let go that you know god kind of made me let go because they they started doing really crazy things that i just i couldn't be a part of you right. know and just the different stages of life i, I feel like life is a test you know um and that's that's what a lot of things in my life that I that I've dealt with, you know, being in gangs and beating up and getting beat up and beating up people and going from being a bully to being bu- or being bullied to going being a bully. It's it's a test, mm-hmm. you know, to see how 
and I say this all the time, I feel like all the trials in life are a test and it's God's way of saying, how much do you trust me? Right. Yeah. You know, and that that's what really led me to just, and this the best way I'm able to say it, to say to myself, let me figure out who this Jesus dude really is, you know, and I stand here today, a 33 year old man, happy that I found him when I did. Yeah. You know, really happy that I found him. So, yeah, I, I found Jesus for myself at 16. And it's, it's so interesting. So many different things there that, um, you know, two heart attacks by the time you're 33, which is insane. And I'm guessing it's more from lifestyle and the things you're doing and not so much because you and I are both bigger guys and people just think, oh, he just had a bad diet. But it sounds like you went through some things that drove you there instead of just being a bigger guy. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. De depression played a big part in it. Um, and, and to this day, man, I'm an advocate for uh, mental health. Mental health is, is a serious thing, especially for, for men. Because um, mm -hmm. a lot of times we're told that, you know, we got to suck it up and walk it off. And mm -hmm. that's why I was raised. That's how I grew up. You know, walk it off, you'll be fine. So I turned to, you know, whatever would make me feel better at the time. Sometimes it was a bad diet. Sometimes it was a drink. Sometimes it was whatever. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, you know, even after I stopped, you know, whatever I was doing, like I'd say the one that really sticks out in my head was I was out with my wife, who was at the time my girlfriend, and we were just walking across the street. We were going bowling and we were just walking across the street and I like collapsed. I just I mm -hmm. fell out. She didn't know what happened. I didn't know what happened. Ended up at the hospital and the doctor, you know, basically said, you, you're, you were about to have a heart attack. Like you were moments away from a massive heart attack. I said, Whoa, I'm too young for these things. This happens to old people, you know? And that's, that's when it really hit me. Like this, this, this mental thing is serious. Yeah. You know? And as I got older and, and, you know, matured more, I looked at it like, okay, maybe that was God's way of getting my attention, you know, and, and maybe it wasn't, but I honestly feel like that was his way of getting my attention because since then I haven't had another one and I don't do this stuff I used to do anymore. I don't think the way I used to think anymore. And I, I firmly feel that was God's way of saying, all right, let's, let's turn your perspective and let's move you in this direction. But he had to <laughs> push that reset button on my chest. Mm-hmm you know, to get it going. Well, you weren't walking close enough to a body of water that a fish could snatch you, so he had to do a plan B. This, <laughs> right, this is true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and I think the, the next obvious question is, as you're going through these kind of, in many ways, prodigal son you know, years of, yeah, you got saved, but you kind of walked away from, the, from everything uh, once you got out of the structure of the military school, uh, through all this, where were your parents at? Were they like, was there still a relationship? Was that broken or, or how, what was your relationship like with your, with your folks during all this? I, I internalized everything. So, um, what I started to do at the time and from time to time today, I still do it. Um, I, I got really good at putting on a fake smile, you know, smiling on the outside and crying on the inside. So, mm -hmm. 
you know, the, the relationship was there. Yeah. But I found myself secluding myself more, you know, crying in my room or whatever, because I just felt like I wasn't understood. Or if I explained what I was going through, they wouldn't get it. You know, I think that was, that, that might be a thing that all teenagers go through. Yeah. All young people go through. Um, but it felt more, it, it, I felt like it hit me harder because I was the, I didn't know this at the time, but I was that, the guy that everybody came to in the family, you know, if my brothers were going through something, we would end up talking about it, but nobody really wanted to hear what I was going through. So mm -hmm. I internalized a lot of things. So they were present, but I was the one that was absent. Gotcha. You know, and I, in my story, it's very similar. Is I don't know if this this would also reflect uh, with your journey, but I, I knew that what I was feeling was wrong and I didn't want to burden them with it. And I felt yeah. like I would disappoint them if I said, hey, I'm really struggling right now. Because, you know, especially as being a son of, of, of ministers, there's almost like this expectation of, well, you should know better. You know, you, you, know, you, you should be able to pray it away. And whether or not that's true, that's there, that mindset's there of like, man, I, I really can't burden them with this because they're also dealing with everything at the church and, and I can't be that burdened. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. That's, that is exactly what my, you know, what was on my mind. Like, I shouldn't be dealing with this. Or I shouldn't have these ideas, these thoughts, these feelings, because, you know, Sunday my dad's going to preach. And, you know, we're supposed to be an upstanding family because, you know, we're the pastor's kids. So I'm mm -hmm. not supposed to have any problems, you know, and that, that in, in a lot of ways did more damage than anything because I learned how to hide my pain very well. Yeah. You know? And I think that also speaks to the nature that sometimes – or many times the church puts way too much on the PKs. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're a child, you know, at that point you're a child that's still going through normal child things. You're still human. Yeah. And we, we expect, well, you're the pastor's kid. You, you have a higher level of, of understanding. No, you're, you're a kid. You're I'm still growing. You're 14. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> And um, and that's one thing I'm very intentional about is with uh, my relationship with my pastor is like when we teach their their kids in Sunday school, it's like they're a kid, yeah. Just because they have the same last name as the the guy speaking in the main service, mm -hmm. doesn't make them any less a child. And right. and I think that sometimes we we do a disservice to the kids, and that's why so many of them have issues with depression or have issues with rebellion once they get out in college or what have you. But, yeah. They've seen what the church can do. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, 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 it's as far as being a, you know, a PK. Um, and I, I, I grew up with some, with some other pastor kids and I, I've learned that, you know, judgment in the church is, is heavy. Mm -hmm. it, it's crazy, you know, and that's the one place that you would think judgment wouldn't happen. <laughs> right. So, you know, and, and, of, and at least of all people don't judge the pastor's kids. You know, but right. after a while, you know, you start not wanting to open up to anybody in the church because it's like, all you're going to do is judge me or go and tell my dad or my mom, this is what this is what your son is doing. So I'm just going to keep it to myself, you know, yeah. and however I spiral is I'm, I'm just going to deal with it within. Yeah. You know, 
It's a shame that the the church, which is supposed to be the safest place, can become the most dangerous and most isolated place because so many are worried about the worldly appearance. Whereas if we just realize that the broken honesty of who we are is going to be more attractive to the broken world. Man, I can't agree with you more. I really can't. And and like the the, the my my church now they that they 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 have this saying everybody has dirt, you know. Everybody has, everybody is an ex something, mm-hmm. you know, just because, you know, the pastor's up there preaching and, and, you know, casting out and laying hands and doing all of that does not mean, you know, at the end of the day, he's still a man, you know, he, he, he still struggles with things when he goes home, you know, um, and it's, it's, it's refreshing now to really see pastors who are starting to understand that. Yeah. You know, and and because they understand it, they can promote within the congregation. Like, hey, your your dirt, just because your dirt is different from his dirt, doesn't make your dirt better. Yeah. It's still dirt. You know, if I go outside and grab dirt with both hands, it doesn't make my left hand dirt more dirty than my right. I still got dirt. Right. You know, yeah. and the Bible says, "Come as you are." And for the longest time, there people have been turned away. Because the second you walk through the church doors, oh, she got a miniskirt on. Oh, he got tattoos. Oh, she looked like this. She looked like that. How can you expect me to come in if the second I walk through the door, you're kicking me out? Yeah. You know, you're judging me. Yeah, I have tattoos, but I'm coming here to receive healing from whatever the reason for these tattoos may be. Exactly. You know? And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy that that the the body of Christ now is slowly but surely understanding, you know, that we the 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 job of the church is to win souls, is to bring souls in, and teach them about Jesus, and you know, then go out into the world and just help as many people as we can. That's our job. It's not a you know, we we over here at Midwest Baptist Church. No, it's not a gang. It's not a club. It's a play, it's it's a hospital, and yeah. everybody's sick. Even the pastor, the elders, the first lady, the first kids, everybody's sick. We all looking for healing. You know, yeah. I, I just I'm just happy about where church is heading now. You yeah. know, and and we this is water we're... by the way. It's a solo cup, but it's water. <laughs> I want to question, uh, and if it if it was something a little bit harder, you could say Jesus did it again. You know? yeah. <laughs> right. Jesus, stop playing water in the what? Right. <laughs> and one of the cool things about this conversation is we've hit on two major issues in the church that are getting better but could still grow, and that's loving the hurting and the broken, but also recognizing that mental health is not something that's just prayed away or something that can just be. If you read the Bible more, you can you you'll be better off. It, it's it the church is waking up, but it's not there yet because right. you don't go up to somebody who's like, "Man, I got stage four cancer," and you're just like, "Well, if you just had more faith, nah. it'll walk it'll walk right out of your system." Yeah. They don't want to hear that. <laughs> they don't right. want to hear that. And the hard part about mental health we touched on was that it's like this vicious cycle when you're in this moment, of, you know that you're struggling. You know that you're hurting. So you don't need to be told that you're wrong for being hurting. You right. don't need to, 
you know that you're coming for that that somebody to to be Aaron and Ur to lift your arms in the middle of this battle mm-hmm. so that that you can get the victory. And uh, again, the church is getting better, but it's not there yet. So, um, especially among pastors, pastors are, are remarkably prone to suicide, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it seems like this complete oxymoron of, of a pastor committing suicide, but they carry every burden of a normal human being, plus a church's burden, plus the pressure of hiding their burdens. Mm-hmm. And eventually it, 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 they just collapse. And yeah. Uh, so mental health is so important and uh, we need to, as a church, just get better at being alongside each other and realizing, again, like you said, we all have dirt, whether the dirt is something they're struggling with mental illness, uh, whether they're struggling with, with, you know, thoughts or, or, or their past, whatever it may be, right. let's all wash each other, wash each other's hands and, and get rid of that dirt together. Yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work, man. Yeah. I mean, Jesus didn't do it by himself. He had the—I mean, he was fully God, fully man. He still had help. He exactly. still had people alongside him. Exactly. So to think that I'm gonna do it by myself, or, or they gonna do it by themselves—that's that's just off thinking. Yeah. Everybody needs help. Yeah. I think they call it stinking thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so I warned you before we went on the air. I got uh, what we haven't even dive, uh, talked to any about uh, uh, the uh, the Red Room coming up March eighteenth. Oh, yeah, uh, let's do it. Red Room. Uh, so uh, there, here's the 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 head banner uh, from uh, your Eventbrite page. Uh, Eventbrite link is in the show notes. Uh, tell us about this show and what people can can get out of it, and what you're hoping to to get it jump started to do. Well, the Red Room, uh, the original idea for the Red Room uh, for me was to give uh, Clean Comics a place to work out, you know, a place to, to really come and, and work out material. But as I, you know, started putting it together, you know, I'm talking to a lot of comedian buddies of mine because Dave knows this is a, it's a, it's a small community. It's a lot of us, but it's like the eight degrees of separation. Everybody knows somebody who knows somebody, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, what would be beneficial to the body of comedy? And a lot of comics were telling me, you know, doing clean comedy is hard, man. It's cussing is so much easier. And I'm like, it's easy, but let's let let's not do that. You know, let's 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 challenge ourselves to not cuss, you know? So I'm like, let's if if we can get ourselves into an into a position to where we can do clean comedy, my my prayer for this is, and I, I pray I pray this in my prayer circle before every show, that ultimately the audience sees God through what I'm doing. They don't just look at me and go, Oh, he's so funny, he's this, he's that, or any comic on stage, they're so talented. No, see the God in us, see the the talent that has been given to us for you, you know, and laughing and everybody knows the scripture, laugh, laughter doeth the body good like a medicine. So um, I, I created this idea of the red room to be a, a, a healing beacon, you know, something that can really help people um, from just comics to just, you know, your average Joe. Um, but this this show specifically, uh, I, I haven't done a, a large show in two plus years. You know, the pandemic shut everything down. Um, 
And I was sitting down trying to figure out what I could do to kind of bring bring laughter back. Because a lot of people, they're, they're scared, you know, to, to come out. They're scared to come get entertained. And I'm like, you know what? Let's Let's create something to kind of jolt people back into being okay with laughing. You know, because nobody's laughed for two years. So let's let's jolt, you know, especially the church, let's jolt people back into laughing and, you know, helping people out. So uh, my goal for this is to really kind of let people know two things. One, I'm still around. I'm still here, you know, because I, I didn't do the virtual comedy shows. I, I, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. It just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people wondered if I retired, if I'm still doing it. I'm still here, you know, that's one. And two, it's, and, and where I'm having it, you know, I'm having it at, at a um, All Nations Worship Assembly, Chicago South uh, in Park Forest, Illinois. And where I'm having it, it's just the church house. You know, this, this, we can, we can come, we can get filled with the word, you know, we can, we can have a good time in Jesus, but we can also laugh. Yeah. You know, we can also have fun. And that that's that's a big thing for me because I I've talked to pastors, laughter joking comedians don't belong in the church, you know. Mm. And I'm, would you rather me go to the nightclub and tell jokes there, or use the gift that God gave me to bring glory to God? Like what what do you want me to do, you know? So that's really that's really what I'm hoping that the show does is open up the doors for other comics that really want to perform in church and open up pastors to going you know this will work we we can do this we can have fun we can laugh we can enjoy ourselves in church outside of just sunday you know it's a friday night let's come out and have fun in church and then you know go to church on sunday yeah exactly you know the beauty of it is when you think about the fact that jesus walked around for three years with a bunch of guys most of them were roughnecks. You know, they worked with their hands. They were fishermen. And you mean to tell me that the that group didn't laugh from time to time? They didn't have those moments? I can't see it. I can't see it. I think I think they were hilarious. I'm I'm telling you, that's I, that's the only way I think they got through it. And that's the only. Just the, the the fact of being together. You cannot put a group of men together that long without somebody passing gas and laughing about it. Something. And you think you know, Simon Peter probably got teased for like, uh, you know, going under the water saying, Lord, help me. I'm drowning. You know, it's like, <laughs> and he'd always come back. Well, at least I got out the boat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Come on with all types of stories. And I, I, I tell people all the time, I, I honestly think Jesus was a practical joker. I, I you, you, there's, there's no way. I think Jesus was hilarious. Because if if you look around today at just random people, there's some people that were created just for us to laugh at. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. One of the jokes I'm working on is uh, talking about Jesus when he came back. He had resurrection. He's 40 days on the earth walking around the disciples. And you know he had a soft spot for kids in his heart. Mm -hmm. Because he, he, he talked about them all the time. So I'm thinking, like, you know, he played games with them when he was back. And he was like, all right, I'm going a, I'm to a play hide-and-seek with y'all. And he's like, one, <laughs> two. 
Jesus will never find us. He watched him go over there. <laughs> That's funny, man. And it's not irreverent of Christ because Christ, he did it for us out of the joy of his heart. So it's not like I'm making fun of the fact that he died for us. Right. But just his character and the, his, the joy he has for us because he has the joy of the father for his kids. Right. And I believe that I, I hope Jesus finds that funny. If not, I'll, you know, he can whip me with a wet noodle when I get to the other side. Maybe. Man, I, I, I sincerely believe that comics are near and dear to the heart of Christ. I really do. You know, because we, we, we heal more people than we know. Yeah. I, I'll never forget this story, man, or, or forget this experience. My last show um, that I did, I, uh, I was just talking about this yesterday, actually. I was I was after the show, I was standing in line and you know, I was standing, you know, people were taking pictures, whatever, what have you. And this this really old and frail lady, you know, with a long black uh leather trench coat. I will never get her a long black leather trench coat and a uh bonnet or something on her. I don't have hair, so I don't know what these things are called. And she kind of just walked through the line and she told the photographer, she said, I don't want a picture, I just want to hug them. I said, okay. Okay. Yeah, this is yeah. before COVID, so hugging was still legal. And, you know, she she walked up to me. I gave her a hug, and she whispered in my ear. She said, you have no idea what you're doing. In my head, I was like, well, that's rude. That's, that's so disrespectful, lady. And she said, you're healing more people than you know. Mm. Wow. And I I promise you, this had to be an angel because right when she said that I felt her hug get tighter, stronger than I think she should be. And I hugged her and I said, thank you. And I let her go. And I turned to grab a poster just to give her something. Cause I don't know who she is. So I literally, she was at least a thousand years old, <laughs> at least. And the, as fast as it went, I hugged her. I said, thank you. I grabbed the poster and I turned and she was gone. Mm. And it, it was a long little sidewalk out the door. It was a long walk to the door. The bathrooms were in front. So, and she, like she was kind of shuffling her feet. She wasn't walking. She was shuffling. There's no way she could have disappeared that fast. Mm. And wow. like that is a sign that comedy, in my opinion, is near and dear to the heart of Christ because we're we are honestly helping more people than we understand. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly because yeah. I, if you look at just the science behind laughter, there's so many healthy benefits to laughing that it has to be a gift from God. has to be. And, you know, obviously some people pervert it just like every other gift from God. It, it gets perverted. But yeah. when it's pure, when there's joy behind it, when it's, it's shared and it's not at someone's expense, but it, mm -hmm. it's a shared experience then there's so much healing. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but you get the feeling that you get a room full of 500 strangers or, what, or whatever number, and then they laugh together the first time. Suddenly there's no strangers in the room. Yeah. They're all... Wow, that's good, man. Even for that moment, there, there's like a spiritual connection that happens where nobody feels alone anymore. Yeah. And uh, nobody leaves a comedy show having laughed, feeling like, Man, I was so by myself. Yeah. Because when you laugh, you're admitting something about yourself. Uh, on true. some small level, you admit something. And when 
500 people admit something together, then you realize there's something bigger than just me. There's something bigger than my burdens that are outside in the parking lot. There's something Ooh. bigger. And then when you laugh, when you have that gut, you know, that gut busting laugh, your eyes naturally rise up. And it's like, there's something spiritual there. And it has to be. Yeah, that's, that's good, man. Yeah, that's, wow. I never thought about it like that. Well, yeah, they have a room full of strangers and you have a, you have a comic who's on stage admitting something about himself. If you didn't find some type of familiarity, if I even said that word right, if you don't find some type of connection in that statement, you wouldn't laugh. Right. But the fact that you connected there lets me know you understand what I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm. And we bond. And if I'm bonding with all 500 of you people, now we're just a room full of friends or a room full of family. You know, that's good, man. I like that. I'm going to have to write that down. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) So while you write that down, we'll transition uh, so I can get you back to your your dinner. I know you had it frying before we went on air. Uh, (laughs) You have to reheat it at this point, but that's all right. So the first uh, of our final three segments is going to be the interrogation. Seven random questions that wouldn't have otherwise fit in our conversation. Okay. All right. So our first question is, uh, what was the first bit that you wrote? I know that you borrowed some material when you first got started as a teenager, but what what was the first bit you wrote? First bit I wrote was when I almost uh, got beat up by my wife's ex-boyfriend. Mm. Yeah, I uh, we were kicking it at her house and her uh, her boyfriend, who was a very large human at the time, um, came home or came to the house. And his name was Zeus, and he was about 12 feet tall. Zeus, he was about 12 feet tall, um, and I had to act completely gay to get out of out of getting beat up. Yeah, <laughs> He walked in, who are you? I'm like, I don't know, just, I'm going to leave, because I just, I got something to do. And it worked out, and that was, that was the first joke I ever wrote. How much truth was in that, or was that a real-life situation that, uh, about 50-50. Um, her, her ex-boyfriend was was quite a tiny guy, but it, that just wasn't funny. Right. <laughs> That's before I realized to tell the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth on stage. So um, there was it, the, the actual story was we were actually at school and uh, she was sitting next to me and we were kind of just cuddled up a little bit and we were really close. And this is before, you know, we became boyfriend-girlfriend. We were just friends. And he didn't like it, didn't like it at all. So I had to kind of act a little more feminine than I would. So he's, he didn't see me as a threat so I can stay around and eventually steal his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, that's, that's that. All right, cool. Uh, question number two, uh, what do you do to relax? Um, honestly, I listen to music. I listen to music or I uh I sit and watch TV with my wife. My wife is my wife is my peace. She really she really calms me down when I'm stressing, when I have a lot on my mind. And um I you know what I'll say it that way. I either sit with my wife first, or if she's, you know, at work or somewhere with the kids, I'll uh turn my lights to blue in the house and I'll just I'll just listen to some some jazz. She calls me old for that, but I really like jazz. So I'll sit and listen to some jazz. Nice. Very cool. 
Uh, who are your teams? Um, well, I'm a Chicago boy, so yeah. Bulls, Bears. Um, just recently for this this season here, man, the Rams were they were my team, and I'm really happy to see what happened in the end. So Chicago Bears, Chicago Bulls. Uh, I'm I'm from the South Side, so the White Sox, the Cubs can go away. Um, that's that's my personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they won the series most recently, nobody cares. Yeah, well, that team's completely dismantled anyway. So it's... absolutely, they destroyed that team trying to build something else, and it just didn't work. No, didn't right. work at all. It, for many years, you know, when I talk to girls, I'd be like, you know, I'm a Cubs fan, so uh, you know, you know, I'm loyal through the downs <laughs> and, and, and the downs, right. and the, and then the up, then 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 the downs, then the downs. Man, y'all Cubs fans are something else, man. I went to one Cubs game in my life, and I'm like, all of these people are here to watch them lose. This is insane, but I love it at the same time. <laughs> it's crazy. Best game I've ever been to was a Cubs game. I will admit that. Number four, uh, do you have any regrets or things that you wish you could do over? Any regrets with things that I wish I could do over? Um, honestly, no. Reason being because every every mistake, everything that I've made introduced me to everybody that I've met. And it put me in a position of where I am. Um, and I, 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 I genuinely like I can take and teach somebody else with, you know, give advice with and help, help somebody. So honestly, no, I, I, I don't, I don't really have any regrets. I'm, even though it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot of stuff that it's, it's man, but hmm. I, I, I thank God for it all. You know, I do. So other than Jesus, what is a character from scripture that has taught you something or taught, taught you the most? Honestly, um, David, the David and Goliath story, because um, I'm I'm a guy that faced a, I've I've faced a lot of giants in my life, you know, and I, I look at that story from the perspective of it didn't matter how big Goliath was, David knew that he 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 had the ability and the the mindset to handle any giant that came his way you know and i that that david is um i i i really enjoy that 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 story and that character there you know face your giants no matter how little you may seem to be prepared there's always uh more to what you have than what you realize and he didn't try to cheat or try to uh, take power away from God by going out there with armor or anything special. He he refused armor. He just went out there and he said, all right, my God's going to get the victory. Exactly. And too often I think we cheat or try to cheat God out of his glory by trying to over-prepare for the yep. victory he's already given us. Because we don't, we don't have, we don't have enough faith in, in not only what God said, but we don't have enough faith in what he said about us. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I'm called to, you know, Dave, we're called to speak to hundreds of thousands of people. And when we get that phone call to host Megafest, the TD Jakes thing, 
where there's 30,000, 40, 50,000 people and we're psyching ourselves out. That's telling God, I don't, I don't, I don't trust what you said about me and my gift. Mm. Opposed to just saying, you know what? I'm equipped for it. I'm ready for it. And God's going to see me through this and he's going to get the glory at the end. Yeah. Amen. All right. Question number six. What's a talent that you have that few know about? Ooh. Um, I don't know if I still have it. Uh, I haven't done it in quite a long time, but I used to dance, Dave. Keep mm-hmm. it to yourself. I used okay. to dance, man. Um, I was a, growing up, I was a very big Michael Jackson fan. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, the robot and the moonwalk and, the, you know, all of that stuff. That was, that was, and I actually won a talent show when I was a kid doing that. Um, So, yeah, I would say dancing. You ever tried to do the uh, smooth criminal lean without the uh, special shoes and floor? Uh, twice, and both times I fell on my face. <laughs> it was very painful. Yeah. All right. Final question: of The interrogation. If there, if time and money were no object, uh, where would you most love to do a show, and who else is on it with you? If time and money were no object, honestly. Uh, I've always had a dream of doing a show at the Potter's house. And this is outside of being, you know, uh, um, Christian comedian, a PK. I've always wanted to do a show at the Potter's house. And as far as who's on the show, my opinion, the greatest individual to introduce anybody on planet earth is, uh, Steve Harvey. And he's, he's one of my biggest inspirations. Uh, Steve Harvey would definitely be on the show. Um, I, I would love to do, uh, as far as time being no object or no uh, issue, um, excuse me, I would love to do a show with, uh, I'd say Bernie Mac would have to be on that show. And as far as my, it's, it's really my Mount Rushmore. So I would have Steve Harvey, maybe Steve Harvey, Bernie Mac, Dave Chappelle and Kevin Hart. Wow. Those, right. those that would be a and I'm just happy with opening the show. Yeah, I don't have to headline. <laughs> I, I get out of the way, yeah. you know. But to be able to sit at the feet of those phenomenal comics and just draw all of that wisdom as far as the craft that we do, that would be my ideal performance. It would be kind of confusing to see Dave Chappelle and Kevin Hart at the Potter's house, but you know. We might be able to lay hands on him after the show. You never know. Yeah. Amen. You never and, know. And the thing is, if you're sitting at the feet of Kevin Hart, you're you're still taller than he is. This is very <laughs> This is true. I'm only six three, Dave. I'm only six three, you know. Two dollars. <laughs> Dave, you're gonna get in trouble. Uh, if he watches the show, then I'm more successful than I thought I was. So that is funny. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So uh, that, uh, in honor of Black History Month, I'm asking our guests uh, this question: Who's someone that we should know more about and study beyond Black History Month? And I'm talking about outside of the normal Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Malcolm X, uh, those kind of uh, people, Rosa Parks. Who's somebody that you know about that you like? Man, more people got to know about this person. Um, his, uh, uh, historically or just an, uh, an individual period? Either one, whichever one you want to take it. Honestly, I think more people need to 
really understand, and, and I mentioned his name a few minutes ago, really understand who Steve Harvey is and was. Um, not just as a, you know, a game show host or, you know, a guy who's been married a few times, or a millionaire, but the man, Broderick Steve Harvey, if you really figure out this guy's story, you will learn what dedication and perseverance looks like, you know, from sleeping in his car to running into some of the biggest names in comedy now who are legendary, you know, getting paid in garbage bags with 20 bucks in it to drive from here to Florida, you know, like learn, learning how to chase your dream. I think the Steve Harvey story is where you need to start. Honestly. That's a good answer. I like that. Yeah. So the final, final question uh, that we always ask is um, for anyone that's looking to step up and use their gifts for God's glory, what would your wise counsel be for that? Um, understand your gift. Understand what, what it is that you do. You know, if it's, if it's sing, understand the power behind singing, understand what, being on stage and entertaining people doesn't just stop there. Hmm. Okay. If I get on stage, what, what, what I see is just, I'm on stage and I'm knock, knock, you know, I'm just telling jokes to me. I could just be telling jokes, but to somebody sitting in that audience, they're looking at a manifestation of a, of a dream somebody has, mm -hmm. you know, so I have a responsibility to allow them to see hard work, dedication, you know? So if I'm on stage and I'm singing, I'm, I'm sending something to people. How, how can I explain this? You, you have more responsibility behind your gift. You know, um, me singing to you or me, me singing on stage, I'm not just singing to your ears. I'm singing to your soul hmm. because music entertainment period but i'll just since i said music i'll stick with that music goes deeper than just you hear it because if you hear a song david think about it, if you hear a song that you really really love or you really really like or really really hits you you get goosebumps mm -hmm. you know you, it kind of it, it affects you so if music can affect you so can the lyrics you know so can the beat so can whatever i'm saying so I would say, you know, words of advice for that is understand your gift, understand the power behind it, and, and seek knowledge regarding that gift. You know, don't just get on stage and pretend. Be authentic, be real, put your heart in it. Because what you're doing right now could be saving somebody's life. And don't take that lightly. No. Good word. I, I like it. Um, it's so important um, to, at the same time, make it look easy, but also show that you've put work in. Yeah. Um, it's, that, it's that weird dichotomy that, that when you truly put the work in, people will notice it, even though it looks easy. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. Good word. Appreciate that. So uh, for those that uh, want to check it out, March 18th is... Uh, 
uh, Mac Red's Red Room Comedy Experience at All Nations Worship Assembly in Park Forest. Uh, search that on uh, Eventbrite or look in the show notes to uh, get the link for tickets. Uh, anybody that wants to uh, bring Mac Red out to uh, your church, your event, your fundraiser, whatever it may be, uh, booking inquiries at macredbooking at gmail.com. And uh, get in contact with him. Uh, awesome man of God, awesome comedian. And somebody that you book now while you can afford it. So you can say, hey, he was at he was at our church back back before he got his uh, dry bar. There you before, go. Before he got uh, on the, the revived Deaf Comedy Jam. <laughs> right, right. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you being on, man. It's, it's been awesome to get to know you because you know, we, we've been at a couple shows and you know, there's so much going on. You can't really get to know somebody. So just right. like, hearing your story, I really appreciate you sharing, man. It's, I, I hope that this you know, this show can help touch even just one person to let them know that, that there's hope through, you know, because of your story, hope that they will find out that there's hope that God doesn't give up on us. Absolutely, man. This, this has been an amazing experience. I'd love to come back. You know, I really, I really did enjoy this and it's, it's, it's a, it's a wake up, you know, that, that, like I said, or like, like you just said, God doesn't forget about people. You know, he puts us through tests and trials to, to get us somewhere. Uh, I heard somebody say once, you know, what, what is God doing in your next that he has to disturb you now? Mm. So don't just think that what's going on now is the end all be all. There's something better coming. So I thank you for having me, man. Make sure you guys get your tickets. Make sure you guys come out and this shirt that I'm wearing was sponsored by arts major apparel. Hold it up. It's a special edition Mac Red hoodie, and it's only going to be sold at the show. So if you guys can come out, order these hoodies, go to artsmajorapparel.com. Make sure you get your Mac Red branded X hoodies, and we are going to have some good times, some good fun. I got some fun people coming out uh, to, to entertain you guys and minister to you guys and comedy. So make sure you guys come out, get your tickets, eventbrite.com, comedian Mac Red, Red Room Comedy Show. And that's it, man. I uh, look forward to it. Uh, March 18th is a show. And for those of you that botched tonight, you didn't get a good gift for Valentine's Day, make it up. Go to Eventbrite and buy a ticket. Say, hey, hey, honey, I want you to see this awesome man of God. He's going to speak to your soul. And and he's married, so you, you don't have to worry about the fact that he might, you know, steal your woman. He's already <laughs> Yeah, my stealing <laughs> days are done. <laughs> all right. Well, Mac Red, thanks so much, man. We'll see you uh, all next week. We'll have, uh, I guess, uh, uh, Sharia Shine. Uh, she's uh, in ministry. She's ministers to uh, to singles, uh, you know, a, a very overlooked uh, community. And uh, she's also an actress. She's got a, a stage play. We'll talk about all that next week. And until next week, thanks for joining us on Gifts of Glory. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.